Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 24 of College Football Throwdown, a college football podcast by college football fans for college football fans. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Uh, good evening, and good evening, college football fans. Get ready for a, a wild and crazy November. That's right. Uh, we're previewing, or recapping, I should say, the week nine of college football, what went on, as well as looking into... Uh, the upcoming week 10 of the games that are coming up in the season, as well as the uh, official college football playoff rankings that were released. So there's a lot, a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Um, yeah, and without going into all the details of reporting who is what or whatever, I think it's good that we're going to just kind of take a, a general view of it and then dive into you know, what's going on next week right. you know, and, and, and the process, not so much the specifics. Right. Okay, yeah. So why don't we talk about the Week 9 games first off. <laughs> Bless okay, you. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> um, on the last podcast, we both predicted the scores of the Notre Dame-Temple game, both saying that it was going to be 31-24. And uh, the final score, as it turned out, was 24-20, so it was a little bit closer than we imagined. Um, I actually I remember I caught the tail end of that game because I saw it was like tied up. Uh, like I want to say it was 17-17 in the fourth quarter. Um, and then I think Temple, yeah, Temple had to kick a field goal and then Notre Dame scored. And then Temple had like one last drive and then they threw an interception and the game was over. Um, but it seemed like a pretty good game. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a very good game. And, and Temple's defense was able to have surprisingly, uh, you know, was surprisingly uh, effective during the course of that game, that was an area that I expected, you know, where Notre Dame was going to kind of be able to demonstrate its its separation. But uh, but Temple hung in there. I think Temple's got some capability there. Yeah, for sure. And there were a few games that uh, turned out to be a little bit more um, more interesting than people were originally expecting. Uh, I know North Carolina uh, beat Pittsburgh, who was ranked in the top 25. That was a little bit of an upset. Yes, it was, and uh, and then we have our you know current now number one team in the nation, Clemson, uh, played against NC State and you know beat them, but it was fifty six forty one. You know, so NC State got some points on them, obviously. Yeah, and and it'll be interesting. I mean, as as you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Florida State. Uh, well, there's just some great games coming up here, and we're going to uh, see a lot of this stuff play out. Oh yeah. Uh, Stanford kind of had a close call with Washington State, 30-28 victory for them. And then the Florida-Georgia game, which was obviously a a matchup between two perennial powers in the SEC. Uh, Florida uh, controlled that game pretty strongly, 27-3 victory for them. Yeah, it was dominant. Yeah. And then uh, Oklahoma State against uh, Texas Tech, just a shootout apparently. That was ridiculous. They don't play defense out there, apparently, in the Big 12. Right, which is ironic because we used to be out there. But <laughs> but I swear that, like, historically, obviously, the Big 12 has never been, like, as defensively minded as the uh, Big 10, for example. But I don't – and maybe it's just my flawed perception. I don't know. But I don't feel like it was, like, that that pronounced when we were in the conference. Like, seems like in the seven years or whatever since we've left, it's gotten more – 
offensively focused and less defensively focused. I think there's truth in that. I think it has to do with the, the skill talents and where the where those talents lie. And, uh, you know, currently, certainly the advantages to the offense and in that league, particularly those wide open offenses that they have and how they referee the games, it all lends itself to high scoring games. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, Utah against Oregon State, um, 27 to 12. So that was a little bit interesting. And then Oklahoma kills Kansas 62 to seven. Not super right. surprising there, really. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But uh, yeah, and, and last week was kind of that last quiet little week uh, before we have this surge of, of great weekends of college football. And you're going to see some things happen, uh, you know, um, uh, as we move through this this month of November. You're going to see you're going to see a couple of week in a couple of weeks here after uh, you'll have two two more weeks of really great football in the in the SEC, and then you're going to start seeing though all, all these SEC teams have their their final um, you know soft schedule uh, uh, game that that many of them have orchestrated so that they have a late season game to play against a non conference opponent that's effectively like a second bye week, and uh, and you'll start to see that. So some of those weeks will get a little softer because of that but man it just looks like november is going to be great uh from a standpoint of matchups oh yeah yeah well in the big 12 there's a ton of great games coming up in the big 12 because they haven't played each other yet all the best right, teams. The whole round robin yeah yeah and the big 10 has some big matchups coming up obviously with like michigan and ohio state obviously always a always a great game to end the season uh right speaking of michigan they had quite the game uh against minnesota um I only saw, I wasn't watching the game live, I only saw a recap of the game, but what I don't understand is um, why Minnesota got themselves in a situation where they only ran one play for the win rather than, like, you know, making a quick attempt at the end zone, and then if that failed, kicking the field goal and going to overtime. I, I have a feeling that the coach intended to do that, but for whatever reason... And again, this is a guy being, you know, his first game as head coach, uh, well, since, since in a while, um, um, not maybe effectively communicating with the players on the field. Because I get the sense that the players did not understand that as soon as the referees had gotten done making their decision on the previous play, determining whether the player had actually gotten in or not. Uh, once that was decided and, it, and the ball had been located in terms of where it was going to be positioned on the field, uh, that that clock was going to restart. And, and so then they, they took you know, a good bit of the time left on the clock just to get themselves organized to, to snap the football and start the play. You know, they, if they had snapped the football at that moment in time, um, you know, then they would have had enough time to have a, a, a simple pass play opportunity. If it was there, great. If it's not, you throw it out of bounds, and then you kick the field goal uh, to, to try to tie it up, and you go into overtime. Mm-hmm. But instead, they ran all the clock on that one play, and they didn't get a chance to call their timeout and, and get the field goal unit on. Mm-hmm. It was just horrible, horrible end-of-game planning there uh, and may very well cost that guy a chance to be the head coach at, at the at University of Minnesota. What was it that happened with their coach exactly? Uh, he, he he has you know been uh, uh, he has battled epilepsy for his whole life or certainly a long time, and um, 
you know, there have been times in the past, even since he's been at Minnesota, even before his previous coaching stops, where where he has had issues with that. You know, there's drugs that he takes to control that, but they have downsides. They have negative effects. And so every now and then he will choose at times to stop taking some of those medications in an effort to get more clarity and have, you know, the best, his best uh, intellectual capability and capacity. But then that opens him up to, to having some other management issues with the, with the illness. And I think he got to the point where he just couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he had to raise his hand and admit that he needed to retire. Gotcha. Also, that was my roommate, Ed, just getting home. That's what you hear in the background there. Got it. <laughs> um, we have also had uh, Ole Miss-Auburn, another big SEC game. Uh, and Ole Miss won that 27-19. And then uh, this one surprised me, um, UCLA-Colorado. Colorado put up a good fight, in, yeah. even though UCLA won 35-31. Because um, they haven't had a great season, I don't think, but um, they put up a good fight there. They sure did. They mm-hmm. sure did. And then and the our kind of feels like almost like every week for the past like three or four weeks, we've had one particularly like crazy ending to a game. Uh, this week it was Miami and Duke with that crazy uh, lateral, lateral, you know, at the very end of the game that actually ended up working and scoring them the touchdown at the very end of the game. Right. And as we've talked, you know, obviously that was poorly officiated, uh, both that play and the entire game that, you know, didn't change the outcome. They're not going to change the outcome, but it's one of those things where, uh, that though that refereeing crew had a bad day at the office and they're probably not going to be coach or refereeing a, a major college football game for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always funky in those situations. Cause then you play the what if game and you, want to take back like a victory or something but you is there any like precedent for that like taking a win off the board because you know not a lot no i you know i can't say it's never happened but i sure am not familiar with it happening there's been a public apologies you know where somebody acknowledges after the fact that they got it wrong right but they didn't change it you know okay and then uh talking about the uh the new rankings, you know, the official college football rankings came out today. And on last week's podcast, we kind of made our uh, predictions on, now these are our predictions on who we think the top four are actually going to be at the end of the season, not who we think the top four are going to be, you know, at week 10, which is what these rankings are right now. But um, you and I, uh, I think my, my top four was uh, not in order, uh, Ohio state, Clemson, Stanford and LSU and yours was Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson and Florida. Um, so I'm uh, reading and then with the final for this week being Clemson, LSU, OSU and Alabama. Uh, so that comes relatively close to mine. I mean, I have three of my teams in there with the exception of Stanford being switched out with Alabama. Well, right. The issue is, is that LSU and Alabama are going to play each other, and the loser of that game probably falls far enough away that only one of them ends up uh, being there at the end. And, you know, at least the way I viewed it when I was picking the top four, my view is which ones do I think are going to be there at the end? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily right at this moment, because if you look right at this moment, then I, I get why somebody might be, you know, doing that. But, um, um, so it's but it's going to be interesting to see, and, and 
and really it's more about that process. It's more about I, I love the way that that committee is going about their business and taking things as a snapshot in time. They're looking at it every week as if it was a new set of data and a new set of circumstances and, and looking at all the relative strengths and weaknesses of a team each week independently. And I think that that is going to be the beauty of our uh, uh, of this new system that we have that allows them to ultimately arrive at a decision that's a that you know year in and year out I believe is going to produce uh, you know in hindsight the best four teams that'll get a chance to play for that playoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, lots of people have talked about how if you look at this ranking from this point in the season last year, you know there were three SEC teams in that top ten, and then none of, or top four, I should say, then none of them ended up making it because they beat up on each other after that point, and Ohio State was ranked way down, you know, compared to where they ended up at the end. So you never can predict how these things are going to go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I was going to say that I love about it is that um, unlike the BCS, you know, which is a composite of all these different polls, this involves actual human decision making. And so like on that ESPN show today, they had the spokesman of the committee was there and uh, the ESPN guy asked him questions like the fact that Alabama is a one loss SEC team, but so is Florida. And they've also have some very quality wins. So why are they all the way down at 10 while Alabama is number four, you know, and he gave right. an explanation that Alabama has like three wins against teams that are over 500, whereas Florida only has two. And so, you know, like comparatively strength of schedule, all that Alabama is, seems better at the moment than Florida and, is. And the key is it's at the moment because they're not looking at what Florida might need to do in the future. As far as games, you know, Florida has the opportunity because they're going to play Florida state in a non-conference game before the season's over. Well, you know, the combination of that with uh, and the rest of the games they have left, you know, they'll be able to build up and, and do that, you know, once things happen. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, but bottom line is, as of right now, I can see where they can choose that. I, I still think Alabama is probably getting a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. But uh, but, uh, you know, the, the argument is definitely there in support of them. So mm-hmm. and we're seeing some um, strong consideration of non-conf or you know, yeah i mean or teams that aren't in you know one of the five power conferences you know notre dame being the biggest biggest example but the memphis sneaking their way up there at uh 13 as well and i know some of those teams like toledo and others are in the top 25 um so you know they are putting some value in those teams even though they are bringing them down because their strength of schedule isn't there compared to the rest, obviously. Right, right. So it's it, 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 the beauty of that whole system is that it's it's about way more than just, um, you know, um, who has uh, got the best record or whatever. They're looking at all the body of work. They're looking at all the comparative data and, you know, what these teams can do. Right, because I, I remember, like, during the – BCS era, there was a lot of talk about like, well, Boise State, you know, has is undefeated, you know, even though and people would say, well, they haven't played as, you know, strong of opponents, but it's like, no, it doesn't matter if they're undefeated, they should be in, you know, that that championship game, you know, that's what a lot of people talked about in that kind of era. And I would agree with you, this new kind of playoff era has put more focus on that strength of schedule. It doesn't matter if you're undefeated. If you haven't played anybody, that's what these Big 12 teams are facing right now, like Baylor and TCU and Oklahoma State, even though they are about to play each other and actually play against, you know, quality competition. Right. 
Yep. And that guy as well, that spokesperson talked about balance as well in terms of teams having good offense and good defense, you know, and looking at a team like TCU or Baylor, you know, you it's clear as day that they have astounding offenses, but they haven't really had their defenses tested yet. Exactly. And so that means that they have that, you know, suspicion that they could get blown out, you know, even Clemson. I mean, I know they, they put Clemson number one. My only hesitation of putting Clemson number one is, you know, that latest data point that they have of Clemson where they played an NC state team. That's a good, but not great NC state team. And, and they allowed that team to put up some serious points on them. And so it's going to be really interesting this week, you know, another one of those huge games that's coming up this weekend, Florida state, Clemson, man, that's, that's a big time game. Yeah. Well, looking at it, we have basically there are three key games this upcoming weekend. Clemson, Florida state is one TCU, Oklahoma state is another within the big 12. And then by far the biggest game being LSU, Alabama top four matchup. Right. Right. And well, and, and you've got some out, out West too. I mean, that Arizona at, at USC, you know, Cal at Oregon, um, I mean, there's some big time games that are that are all a part of this weekend. So it goes from morning till night for for someone like you out there on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to, you could sit down and just soak in a day of college football like amazing yeah. uh, well, day. But I'm actually going on a trip to San. I, I know. Well, I'm explaining to the audience. I'm going on a trip to San Francisco this weekend, um, but I'm gonna have to because i won't be able to watch the games because i'm gonna be experiencing all these cool things in san francisco but uh on the car ride back because it's a long car ride from there down to la i'm gonna have to try to find some of those games and listen to them on the radio i think that's gonna be my solution yep yep well and you'll be able to find them on on the satellite radio buddy so yep um then there's some other interesting games um michigan rutgers and minnesota ohio state in the big 10 uh, mm-hmm. Northwestern Penn State, uh, that's a, that'll be a competitive matchup, I think. Oh, yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Memphis, Auburn, Texas A&M yep. the SEC. Memphis Navy, uh, yes. tougher, tougher team for Memphis to play against. Uh, Notre Dame absolutely. Pittsburgh coming off of Pittsburgh's loss. Uh, yep. Utah, Washington is another Pac-12 one. Oh, yeah, that should be a pretty good one. Yeah, so... There's a lot of a lot of good games coming up this week. Kentucky at Georgia, that'll be interesting just to see what happens at Georgia. You know, are they able to rebound, or are they gonna are they gonna let the you know this uh, Florida game beat them twice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Georgia's an interesting case because they're like they're in the in the talk for like the SEC, like in terms of if it, being one of those top teams that could compete for the championship you know year after year but then they never seem to be able to pull it out you know right right well and that's the that's the big discussion you know now you've got a coach uh, as an example a little different than the situation in nebraska but you have a coach who who has had enormous success over a long consistent period of time uh there at at georgia but he, he has seldom won any you know championships big 10 uh i mean uh sec and certainly no national championships, and yet he's had tremendous talent because he's a great recruiter. And and uh, but he's always found a way, or and or they've had injuries to key players that have kept them from being as good as they could be. 
Yeah. So, man, those are some those are some off season topics for us to talk about <laughs> at greater length. I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about that in uh, non podcast related before about like you know your Lloyd Cars and your uh, Frank Soliches who are uh, you know coaches who are winning a good amount of games you know and uh, but they just couldn't win the big one you know they couldn't get you to that where you where you're dreaming of being and then both teams ended up hiring new coaches and those new coaches ended up doing worse than the guy they fired <laughs> exactly so it's funny how that works um, all right is there anything more you wanted to say about uh, week 10 the upcoming week you know not not necessarily not necessarily uh, other than to just uh, again compliment the uh, the committee uh, about the, how they're going about their process I think that's that's the real fundamental key here that that's going to lead to this uh, playoff thing continuing to work so effectively uh, is, is that process uh, and that discipline that they've put in that frankly wasn't there before, you know, it used to be survive in advance, but now it's a much more sophisticated process uh, than, than just survive in advance. I mean, you have to, you have to survive, but you have to perform and, and, and you have to make sure that you're scheduling yourself so that you, you know, Put yourself in a position where if you do well, you'll have success, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and um, what was I going to say? Uh, looking at the ranking here. Uh, oh, uh, well, th- this didn't have to do with the ranking so much as a prediction I made. You know, I talked about I talked about in the last podcast how um, even though I didn't think that they were going to make the top four, I thought that the Big 12 would get left out again, their champion, and I predicted that their champion was going to be Oklahoma State. Um, going off of the fact that Baylor had lost their quarterback, and I thought that that might be a factor, um, although they performed, uh, they put up some crazy numbers again this week, although I don't think they played somewhat of significant... They played... Uh, no, I don't know who they played. But point is, I, I'm I'm wavering a little bit on my Oklahoma State ranking. That's like the biggest stretch I'm making amongst my predictions. I'm not sure that's actually going to happen or not. Well, we'll revisit the, those predictions again after this week. I think after this weekend, things should clear up uh, at least one increment of, of clarity, and then based on that, we can we can really make another stab at these things. Yeah, I'm trying to find. Ah, here it is. Um, ESPN, like their Twitter, posted a, uh, pic- a picture that showed what the the big bowl games would be, the six New Year's bowl games would be, based on the current rankings of the uh, mm-hmm. the playoff. So right. it would be um, the two semifinal games would be Clemson, Alabama, and LSU, Ohio State, obviously. And then in the Peach Bowl, you'd have Iowa against Memphis, uh, Sugar Bowl, Baylor against Florida, Rose Bowl, Michigan State against Stanford, and Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame against TCU. And obviously this is based on what we have now, not what we'll have at the end. But all those games sound like great games I'd love to watch. So in terms of, you know, making compelling matchups, you know, I think that's that's pretty interesting with the exception of the fact that that's two SEC teams in the top four, which doesn't isn't as exciting, you know, if those two teams were to win and, you know, face each other in that championship game. Did I lose you? Nope. Oh, oh, okay. Did you hear what I was saying about the bowl games? I did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just all of a sudden it went really quiet, and I wasn't sure if I had uh, lost my connection with you. Um, but yep, I, I agree. I, I say we uh, do 
some uh, quick uh, analysis on, on a couple of games, and, and, uh, and then we can see how we do. Mm-hmm. All right, we need to predict some scores here. Yeah, LSU-Alabama, let's start okay. there. Um, I mean, I currently have LSU predicted as being in my top four, so I'm going to say that they uh, Les Miles does it and wins. Um, I'm going to – do you know if – is it away or home for LSU? It's at Alabama. It's at Alabama. Ooh, okay. Well, that makes my prediction a little tougher, but I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to go ahead and say – uh, it's going to be close. Uh, I'll say that LSU wins it 35-32, um, let's say. Okay. Wow, that's quite a bit of scoring. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Alabama's going to win because it's at home, and I just don't trust uh, Les Miles. Um, so I'm going to say that, that LSU's going to stumble here, and Alabama's going to uh, play really well because I think it's a matchup thing where Alabama's defensive strengths are LSU's offensive strengths and, and you know, LSU's weakness or, or inability uh, is, is matches up with Alabama's weakness. So Alabama will be able to hide its weakness and its strength will, will come into play here. So uh, Alabama ends up winning uh, a lower scoring game. I'm going to say it, it ends up being like, uh, let's say, uh, 24-17. Okay, interesting. Um, and why don't we also do the Clemson FSU game? Our number. Ooh, yeah, that's a great one too. And that's at Clemson. Okay. okay. Uh, you know, this is a this is a spot that historically Clemson chokes. Hmm. So so I'm going to go with um, uh, I'm going to go with Florida State winning this game in an upset. Um, uh, it's again, going to be close, but high scoring. Um, I, I just don't think Florida state's all that great yet. And so the, I'm going against my own better judgment than making this choice. But, uh, there's something about coaching staffs and, you know, just momentum and demeanor. And it just seems like every year Clemson finds a way to have an inexplicable game where they don't play even close to their capabilities and someone beats them sometimes badly. And you just scratch your head. Well, a little bit like last week's. Uh, how, how do you explain the Texas Iowa State score from last weekend? Uh, just inexplicable. So, so um, Florida State uh, rises to the occasion. Clemson does not. Okay. What what's your score going to be then? Score. Ooh, wow. It's going to be higher scoring. So I'm going to say it's going to end up being like uh, 41 to, um, you know, 38. Okay. And I didn't actually look that one up, so just curious. So Iowa State beat Texas then? Not not only did they beat them, they skunked them like twenty four to nothing. Hmm. I mean, they they just crushed them. Well, and Iowa State's the worst team, in, or probably one of the worst teams in well, Kansas in <laughs> division. Well, right, them in Kansas. Yeah. Well, in oh, Texas, incredible. Texas is just having such a weird year this year because they have games like that where they play had horrible games but then they had the crazy one where they went against oklahoma yeah i mean it's one of those things like like you say kind of like how clemson might you know have a weird slip up you know maybe texas had their weird slip up where they did better than they were you know way better than they were expected to um yeah 
as for myself, um, I'm gonna once again I'm gonna stick with my gut on my uh, predictions for the top four. So I'm gonna say that Clemson uh, wins against Florida State, and tell you what, I'll, I'll flip your score. I'll say Clemson wins 41-38 over FSU. Okay, you know that's good. Yeah, uh, and again, Alex, I, I probably agree with your pick better than my own <laughs> as far as Clemson being the winner. And if Clemson comes and shows up and plays the way they're capable of playing, it could be a blowout in Clemson's favor. It's just that, you know, there is there is that history, and I can't get over it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up the Oklahoma State game right now because if I remember right, Oh, that's right. So they're playing TCU this weekend. This, that, I'm reminding myself. This is one of my one of the reasons why I thought Oklahoma State had a chance to yep. win the Big Twelve because they're playing it's at it's at home with TCU, mm-hmm. and it's also at home when they play Baylor and Oklahoma. Right, right. Well, and they and they found a way. They they uncovered it. But you know, when you have no defense, at some point that usually comes back to haunt you. Yep. So that, that'll be interesting. Uh, Oklahoma State's my wild card team. I'm going to see if they can, you know, pull it out for me. <laughs> right. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, this is an exciting time to be a college football fan. You know, we're in the second year of a brand new system. And last year, obviously, it was received very positively. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how that happens this year, if there are any trends that are set up in terms of, you know, uh, like the Big 12 and their championship game. We've talked about that in the past, or their lack of a championship game, rather. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if this year is as positively received as last and what sort of games it gives us. I think it's going to give us some great games, and we're, we're in for a treat. All right. Awesome. Well, if you all out there enjoyed this podcast, you can email us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. You can follow us on... Uh, on Podomatic, we're at footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. You can leave us comments there, or you can find us on iTunes. Subscribe to us there. Give us ratings, reviews. We're College Football Throwdown. And uh, thank you for being with me on this podcast, Dad. And uh, until uh, week 10, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.